Are you ready to tap into Web3's limitless potential? Consensus 2024 is the place to learn from the biggest brands and most influential creators, forging new ways to connect with customers. Brands like Adidas, Coachella, MoMA, Rediverse Studios, Animoca Brands and more will share strategies and tips at Consensus this year. Broaden your horizons on emerging tech with all-day summits delving into the most pressing questions facing the industry today. From AI to immersive worlds, to gaming, to tokenization and everything in between. Artists, brands and tech evangelists eager to shape the internet's future will find their tribe at consensus. And listeners can use the discount code CMO Stories for 15% of their registration. See also the show notes and the podcast episode description. What we say is if you're selling a crypto for profit or with the expectation for profit and you're putting out some sort of ICO or you know any kind of white paper about raising money for it, then it is a security. And I think that decision reaffirms that. And so we say there's an easier way to do this and you do it through exemptions to the SEC, like a Reg A, a Reg D, a Reg S, if you're in the US and you want to sell internationally, pretty easy. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Web3 CMO Stories Podcast, Season 3, Episode 12. My name is Yuri Vilast, and I'm your podcast host. And today, I'm really thrilled to be joined by Mark Fidelman. Hi, Mark. How are you? I'm doing well, Jory. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm excited for this episode because, guys, if you don't know Mark... He is a tech-savvy founder of SmartBlocks Agency and is a recognized force in crypto and e-commerce. From driving growth for NFT giant Wax.io to running his own YouTube channel, Cryptonized, Mark's two-decade journey already is marked with impressive achievements. Mark is recognized by Forbes as a top influencer and also named as a social media keynote speaker by Inc. Magazine. That's already an impressive introduction, Mark. But why I was interested to invite you is, the, of course, the business that you are in, which is in, in tokenization. So I would like you to, you can give some feedback or talk a bit about your background, of course, but I'm really interested to, to, to learn more about security tokens and uh, what are those? Yeah, I mean, uh, so just announced today was the Ripple decision on what's a security and what's not. It turns out XRP is not inherently a security, but maybe part of the way they sold it to institutional investors is a security. What we say is if you're selling a crypto for profit or with the expectation for profit and you're putting out some sort of ICO or you know, any kind of white paper about raising money for it, then it is a security. And I think that decision reaffirms that. And so we say there's an easier way to do this and you do it through exemptions to the SEC, like a Reg A, a Reg D, a Reg S, if you're in the US and you want to sell internationally, pretty easy. As long, if, if it's a US investor, then it gets increasingly difficult depending on how you want to sell to them. So security tokens are simply an exemption to the code that says, hey, you can offer these things, but you've got to follow these rules. And as long as you follow these rules, then you, know, you don't have to register for, to go public. And uh, that's an arduous process, very expensive. 
So you could literally go public and trade on exchanges through security tokens as long as you follow these exemptions that the SEC has put out there for you and FINRA has put out there for you. And, and so that's what we do. We walk people through that process. We make sure they're totally legit and they're going to trade on similar exchanges to crypto, but specialized exchanges that, that are deemed to be safer than you know, some of the other ones that are out there. Yeah, it, it's an interesting time. Eh? Then the podcast recording is really at a good moment because I haven't, haven't heard all, uh, of the XRP decision. It's already been hanging for some time. Maybe also so for my listeners that they understand really the difference. So you explained yeah. what is a security token, but how is it different from traditional securities? Yeah, I mean, uh, our SEC here in the United States, the pain in the ass, they won't clarify anything. They go back to a hundred year old decision called the Howey test. The Howey test essentially uh, was about an orange grove that promised future profits if they invested in this orange grove. And that is deemed a security. Back then they weren't selling it as a security with all the necessary disclosures. So they're saying that, that little thing applies to all crypto and anything having to do with crypto. Uh, the SEC has basically said, no, that's not true. It's not inherently a security, even if there's an expectation of future profit as long as it's not coming directly from the company itself, Ripple. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if XRP is traded on secondary exchanges, there's a little nuanced here. Since Ripple's not the one promoting it, then Ripple can't be held liable You know, if, if it's a security or not. It's traded on a secondary exchange and the benefit doesn't go to Ripple directly. It might go indirectly, but I think what the judge has ruled today is it doesn't matter. They, can't, they haven't violated any securities laws. What they did violate, which is interesting enough, was they, the judge said what you were selling to institutional investors, which are supposed to be accredited, was a violation of the Investment Act or the Howey Test. But it's weird because they're accredited investors. Even if you're selling to accredited investors like institutional institutions that should know better, in the United States, you still need an exemption. So they should have gone the security token route, ironically, and filed a, a Reg A or a Reg D. And there's within those, there's specialties within those or a Reg CF. But they raised more than $5 million, so they, uh, they, they wouldn't have done a CF. That's the only thing they did wrong. And they'll probably be fined for it. But everything else that the SEC claimed they did wrong was was basically tossed out. Yeah, maybe to go for our listeners to go one step back, because that's already now hot in the news, of course. But can you explain a bit more about how tokenization, how it works and, uh, yeah. and which assets can be tokenized? Yeah, really any assets can be tokenized. And what does that mean? That means you're fractionalizing the investment in something. Let's use the Mona Lisa Everyone knows what that is. Let's say the owner of the Mona Lisa, which is probably the Louvre Museum. I could be wrong, but let's just say it is. They said, look, you know, the Mona Lisa is worth $100 billion. It's probably more than that, but let's just round numbers off. And if you want to own a piece of it, you can buy security tokens that represent your interest in it. So let's say for every dollar, that's one one hundred millionth of an ownership of the Mona Lisa. So the more you buy, the more the more you own, just like a stock, essentially. And when that's painting sold, maybe to another museum or to a private individual, then you participate in any profits. But it's not just paintings, it's real estate, it's debt instruments, it's equity in companies, anything of value that's tied directly to that particular token can be tokenized. Royalties on an oil field, really anything. The beauty of tokenization versus traditional is that you've got an instant pool of liquidity. So if you want to sell that interest, you could do so on these secondary markets 
which the judge, at least the United States, has deemed to be, you know, not a security. So, uh, but even if it were, because you've issued it as a security token, there's it comes with it all the protections that you would in a, in a stock transaction. But the United States, you could trade it anywhere in the world as opposed to a stock, which you can only trade here in the United States. So there's, there's quite a lot of benefits to security tokens. I think it's going to open up. In fact, BlackRock and Bank of America and Citibank have all said, you know, by 2030, this is going to be a massive trillion, multi-trillion dollar market. Yeah, I think that uh, the, the tokenization or the concept of this is something really interesting that the blockchain has brought us, which will, you know, it will always be there if even even our dotting Web3, this is something that is here to stay. So what also is interesting, of course, with the tokenization, it's linked to smart contracts. We hear a lot about. So how do... What role do smart contracts play in security tokens and offerings and how can they streamline uh, the investment process? Yeah, in a lot of ways. Just like crypto, you could program the security tokens to do certain things based on certain triggers. For example, you put out your any kind of information related to the stock, it's automatically sent to the security token holders. That, that in itself is very efficient. You don't have to mail it all out or e- email it all out. It's just done automatically on the blockchain. Also, let's say Justin Bieber put out a security token on earnings of his tours. You know, he's going around touring and that's where he makes most of his money as a singer, maybe merchandise. But you can program it to say, hey, if Jorio owns five security tokens of Justin Bieber stock or Justin Bieber security token, he gets a free access to five of my concerts a year automatically, you're just connecting your wallet to Ticketmaster or whatever site it is. And it sees that you've got five security tokens, sees that you haven't used them yet. So it'll give you access to it. I mean, really, the sky's the limit. You you can get really creative. And I think you're going to see a lot of people that do get creative, especially around securitized NFTs. It's not just tokens that can be securitized. It, it is NFTs uh, that can be traded. We're seeing that in Europe, uh, where NFTs represent interest on, in real estate. So, But the, the key point is, smart contracts in itself can be programmed to do anything, and it's all executable on the blockchain, and nobody has to do anything. It's already been pre-programmed. Yeah, that's a beauty. Yeah? You mentioned real estate. One of the people, in, I, have an, I have a mastermind myself, which is around Web3 marketing, and there is someone that has clients in the real estate sector, and in the real estate that's also tokenization can also be something really interesting, you know, because, you know, if there is like a big building that people want to sell or want to buy, that can also yeah. be the same concept. Maybe you can comment a bit on that. Well, I mean, if you want to buy or sell real estate, and if you're talking about tokenizing it first, you and I, unless we've got hundreds of millions of dollars, can't get access to major projects that are out there. You know, nobody, these big developers don't want to deal with somebody buying twenty, thirty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000, and especially not $500, $1,000. It's just too much for them to manage. But if they tokenize these projects, not only can they sell it on, you know, to anyone they want, because remember with those smart contracts, a lot of these things are being done automatically. So they, they instantly open up the field to anyone and everyone that wants to invest in these real estate projects. So there's a benefit to them and there's a benefit to you and I that would never be able to get in on these projects, these very valuable projects where people are making tons of money if this option of tokenization wasn't available. And let's just say the real estate market tanks like it's doing in commercial office right now. 
and we want to get out of it, well, there's a secondary market so we can get out of it. You know, we're not going to be sunk with the ship, so to speak. So a lot of advantages. And and I definitely think, mark my words, by 2030, almost all major real estate projects will be token. I think so. If people ask me about concepts in Web3, that's I talk about real estate because it's really obvious that that is the way to go. You mentioned in the beginning those challenges, you know, with the SEC and so on, making decisions yeah. and you're not really sure what is going to happen. What are some of, you can also comment on that, but what are some of the challenges in terms of regulation, you know, and compliance for security tokens that you are seeing and how can we address them? Yeah, let's keep in mind that uh, security tokens are following an SEC FINRA process. So by default, they are legal because you are following an exemption. What's not clear, and this is the problem with the SEC, is the security token representation of them on a secondary market. But today's decision at Ripple, to me, clearly states, hey, the SEC can't state something's a security in a secondary market and blame Ripple for it. So you're safe to issue them the correct way, which is the security token way that I've just described with a Reg mm-hmm. HD address, but you don't, you're not going to be held liable for secondary market sales on secondary exchanges. So it's, that's great news because that was a little bit of a mystery for people that are issuing security tokens. So in terms of that, the, the regulation is pretty clear with this judge's decision. It'll probably be appealed. The real problem is we've got FINRA and SEC that aren't being updating these rules in a digital world from 1928 or whatever the Howey test was was put in place, they're refusing to update it. And you, if you saw them in testifying before Congress, they couldn't say whether Ethereum was a security or not. When asked directly, well, wait a second, you guys are the, the body that's supposed to be telling us, hey, this is a security, this isn't, and you're punting on it. You're basically saying, go find a, a smart attorney and hope he's correct. Well, that's no way to manage this industry. They should all be ashamed of themselves. My call is they all resign because clearly they're not ready for the digital age. And we need to bring in some people that really understand what's going on and are able to regulate it properly. Yeah. So, you know, these circumstances that you don't know, you know, what is going to happen, it, it, it's, it's risk. There are some risk involved. Of course, every time when you are as an investor, want to get an ROI on your investment, there is a risk involved. But can you talk a bit about risks associated yeah. with investing in security tokens and how to manage the same, them? Same risks as a stock because it's it's very transparent, especially on the blockchain. It's actually more transparent than stocks. Mm-hmm. Every single transaction you can see, and if you could, and, it, and since these wallets are whitelisted, you can find out who's who's making the trades. Unlike crypto, where you know a lot of these things require detective work in order to figure out who owns that wallet. Sometimes you never know. But with security tokens. They're always whitelisted, or most of them are whitelisted. So you, you do know. So the risks are no different than a stock, you know, type of risk. Stock because they're publicly traded, they have more requirements than security tokens. So it's it's riskier than a stock, but nowhere near as risky as crypto without any real protections. Yeah. So I mean, you really have to study the deal. It's not an automatic win. It's not an automatic, hey, this is this is legit business. You, we scrutinize every company we help bring public. And I know the exchanges are doing the same. So right now it's relatively safe. You know, you'll you'll be assured it's a real business. We've we've got audited financials. 
They're going to be putting out financial statements going forward. But I mean, there's been plenty of fraud in uh, the, the stock market as well, hasn't there? So you, you really don't know. You've got to be vigilant. You've got to really check out who the founders are, make sure that they are legit. Essentially, yeah, like with every investment or every project, and then you never show either because you can invest in a stock and then things happen that you don't know as an investor. Cryptos, you mentioned it, it can be very volatile. And then you have also the NFTs, which you know are you, you never know really what is happening if you don't know the founders. So, therefore, it's interesting to know the utility behind and so on. How do you look at NFTs and maybe compare this to uh, digital token assets? Well, I mean. NFTs can represent digitized assets, and, and you'll see that more and more. I advise people never buy NFTs, only buy them back by something, whether it's a ticket to get into a show or real estate or a piece of a painting. I mean, NFTs are perfect to own a part of a painting, That the Mona Lisa example that we just yeah. described. But I, I really don't like this first generation. It's just a JPEG that can be copied. Yes, you own the JPEG, but so what? Uh, unless you're able to license that for commercial purposes, who cares? I mean, that's that's me because you. Let's say you own one of the board apes. Yeah. Well, why can't I just copy it and yeah. put it on my site? You could ask me to take it down, sure, but so what? What do you really own? There's nothing backing it. It's it is a unique item, but it can be copied quickly because yeah. it's digital. I don't like first generation NFTs, but if it if that board ape was backed by a membership in something, which it is now, I think. Mm, yeah, it is. And there's some value there, right? There, whatever you want to classify as value, but certainly not what they were selling for before. Unless this membership is making you, you know, hundred thousand dollars a year just because you're 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 a member. Yeah. So I, I think NFTs backed by something of value that you can analyze is going to be. Uh, the next generation and it should be the only generation. Right. That's also, you know, if people ask me about me about NFTs, that's also when I buy an NFT or get an NFT, it's the value, it's the utilities, it's the benefits. Maybe it's a lifelong ticket. Maybe it's a certificate. Maybe it's an access to a membership mm -hmm. or to a community, as you say. And then you need to decide for yourself, is it worth it? And it's just because it's on the blockchain, there are a few more possibilities. You can sell it if you want. There are, uh, you can, you know, airdrop more stuff to people who have the NFT. You can have maybe future benefits that you don't know what will happen. Like with Gary V, if you have his NFT, maybe you will get more stuff in the future, but you don't know. Yeah, you get access to his future events, which there's value there, but I, I don't think it's what he was selling it for six, seven thousand dollars, but no, <laughs> it's it's all subjective. Maybe you get VIP access. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, probably. It's sometimes also you need to trust in, in if you trust in the person who has created the NFTs and that they will add value. Then I'm in the gem community. I have also some NFTs. Maybe at first time, first look. Maybe it isn't valuable if you are not inside the community. But uh, it's also like. Uh, a bet if you want a, a, a good bet. Now, you are the CMO at Smartblock, so there are a lot of rules and so on. How do you make sure that uh, you find your clients, that people know about you? That's also always one of my questions. Yeah, well, I, I've got a newsletter that's on LinkedIn and, and Substack. And uh, if you subscribe to it, that kind of gives everyone an idea of what's going on in the security token industry. I've got a video channel on YouTube called Kryptonized. So it's at Kryptonized, the number one. And we talk about all of the issues that we've talked about with you. I'm on Twitter, now threads, Instagram. So I'm putting out content, getting feedback, 
we're you know, bringing companies public, um, working with the industry players to really promote this industry. If you're familiar with Jeffrey Moore's Crossing the Chasm, you know, we're still trying to cross the chasm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I think as if the SEC would just get clear on, on what it is that we need to do in order to bring a company public. And with today's decision, I think it's a little clearer that if you're issuing anything value and you're claiming it's going to go up in value or you're issuing it a way that it looks like security, you need to go my route, which is the security token route, which is not much more expensive right. to, to, to go. It's certainly way less expensive than bringing a company public. And most companies can't be brought public. With security tokens, anything can be brought public. Yeah, that's... Uh, I think really that's what also Web3 promises eh? that those opportunities. Yeah. So you are using Web2 channels, you know, also to get known with your Web3 business, of course, like a lot of people do. And it's interesting how you see everything that's evolving, all the possibilities. But look now a bit in the future, uh, what trends and developments do you see on the horizon of uh, security tokens and tokenization? Maybe yeah, I mean, the, about that. the trends for me are more international. In the United States, if you want to get access to U.S. investors, you'll tokenize whatever it is, your, your high-value asset, because it'll be way easier for somebody in the U.S. to buy it than if you did it locally. I see in the United States, companies, instead of going public, will tokenize their equity. We're already seeing huge bonds and, and uh, other things that the big institutions are playing with every day. They're tokenizing that for a, wa- a wide variety of reasons. If you look at what BlackRock's done and what they're claiming they're going to do, some of the real estate REITs or what they're going to do, it just makes more sense uh, to go that direction. So if I look in the, in the future, I see a tokenized future. I think this will become the norm especially as whether it's court decisions or the SEC gets smart, they put out the right regulations like they did with the crowdfunding initiative. That's the Red CF I talked about earlier. Yeah. They said, hey, if you're raising up to $5 million, here's an easy path to do it. Here's how you do it. That's all we need from the SEC. Right now, we're just kind of backdooring it through current regulations or exemptions to, to some of the SEC FINRA requirements, but it's following a legal process. And to date, you know, the SEC and FINRA has not complained a single time because you're following a process. Now with the judge's ruling about secondary markets, it's even clearer. I, tokenization is the future. Crypto will kind of meet tokenization in the middle. And um, anyone that wants to issue it as an ICO or what we call an STO, a security token offering, will have to be a security token. Everyone else, as long as you're not, as long if you just put it on the secondary market and say nothing, you're essentially okay in crypto. But I don't know what kind of value you're going to get out of that. So, Mark, we talked a lot about this tokenization. So I guess people now get ideas, are interested in knowing more, maybe, you know, going that route themselves with uh, their company. How can they reach out to you? How can they follow you? How would you like to send them? Yeah, I would just go to smartblocks with an S dot agency. That's our website. And and hit the getting started button. It'll ask you a few questions and then you'll be connected with me or somebody else on the team. Okay. And if people want to connect with you personally, you already mentioned your YouTube channel. So we will put everything yeah. in the show notes as I always do. Is there a place that you prefer that people connect with you or follow probably you? Probably Twitter. Yeah, probably Twitter at Mark Fidelman is my Twitter handle. That's probably the best place to want to get a hold of me. Or just go to the website. Just say, hey, I want to talk to Mark after you hit the get, getting starting button. Okay, amazing. Thanks, Mark, for sharing all your wisdom on my, my podcast. Pleasure.
All right. Thank you. So guys, again, a really interesting podcast on a specific subject. So you, if you think this tokenization, these security tokens, it's something for you or maybe for someone that you know around you, be sure to share this episode with them. If you are not yet subscribed to the show, I think it's a good moment to do that now. And of course, I would like to see you back for the next podcast episode. Take care. Bye. Web3 can take your biz to new heights. And you're ready to harness its power? But feeling lost and overwhelmed? Therefore, join my W3X Web3 Mastermind. Send me a personal message for more info. You can find me everywhere on social media. There's only one person with my name, Yuri Bilast. Talk soon. Talk soon.